0: everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Nunes is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casilla, and with me today is Dan Lyons.
1: Hello, everyone. Happy uh, lacrosse season, uh, although tough Women's start. Women's lacrosse but season. It, it is here. Women's lacrosse season as well. A happier start. Um, happy uh the, the Duke game is behind us whenever you're listening to this, and uh, <laughs> that can go in one of two directions. Um, it's looking one definitive way so far. Uh, this is how we we are starting this episode at halftime of the game, so you all all can kind of uh, understand where we're coming from, uh, and we'll we'll probably change our tone as uh, Syracuse comes back for a second straight game by down twenty. Um, maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe you know, hypoth- hypothetically, it's yeah, only eighteen. I mean, we're we're in okay shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, realistically, we uh, we kind of saw how this could happen. You know, against Notre Dame, obviously Syracuse went down big early in that one, uh, failed to really defend the three all that well um, against the Irish, a very good three-point shooting team. That led to a big deficit. he was able to kind of clamp down on defense, figure some things out, and managed to actually win the game by, uh, by eight, which was impressive, really, given uh, how rough things looked uh, for a while. Here, on the other hand, rough all around, um, you know, Duke shooting 10 of 18 from three. Really, like the, again, a similar start to Notre Dame, just with much better players than Notre Dame has. Uh, Rebounding is actually even here at the half. Syracuse actually uh, has a decent amount of offensive rebounds, so that doesn't really seem to matter all that much. And the majority of the shots have gone to... nobody oh, Buddy Boeheim's taken four. Nobody else has taken more than two. No, nope, sorry, that was three-point shots. Uh, shooting's actually pretty well distributed here cadary uh, richmond shot eight field goals but he's a very efficient six for eight 13 points at the half um five shots for quincy only hit one three shots for oh well, five shots for Marek, uh hit three uh griffin's one of four gerard's over four buddy is two of five uh big bobby braswell off the bench uh, one for three and then john ball Ajack making uh his second straight surprising appearance uh over one from the floor Yes, yeah, this, this is the game we go we, we go eight deep already.
1: Yeah, I mean it was when AJ came in, it was so like rough by that point that I think they was just kind of throwing someone at the wall. Um we went we got really early Bobby Braswell in the first half, uh, by his standards. Um Richmond actually took like longer than you would think to come in, but he's been like by far our best player since he came in. The numbers spare that out, but also like I wouldn't say it came change the tenor of the game because Duke is still up eighteen, but and at least they us something on offense because Gerard has been pretty awful tonight. Bayham has been okay. Mert's been okay. But Quincy's really struggling with Duke's length and, and Griffin hasn't been good so far. So um yeah, play Kadary Richmond. Uh, just bang the daffle, everyone. Um, I see. I think, I don't know. It's not even like they're controversial. I think at this point, pretty much everyone who watches these games is on our side of this. Right. It took a little while, but it's like, it's, it's a, a deeply uncontroversial point to make to be like, yeah, um, He's, you know, arguably our best guard already, and should be playing as such.
0: I I, I think at this point, you know, Jim's got bigger fish to fry in terms of uh, national commentary, so he doesn't need to worry about this this narrative anymore. <laughs> he just kind of, I mean, even saw like the 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 ball move on it a lot in like a matter of weeks. It went from, you know, conditioning, and I don't know if he can play more than like twenty minutes a game. To I don't know if he can play more than twenty five. To yeah, he just can't suddenly jump in and play like, you know, 30 to 40 minutes a game. And, and, and the ball kept moving. And then we decided to just move on to something else entirely. Um, so the Kadaria-Richmond <laughs> so shouldn't play more than 20 minutes um, argument went out the door, um, especially after, you know, Richmond was a big part of engineering several comebacks um, and just much better play overall. I mean, despite the, the, what, what this game looks like at the moment, I mean, SU still won six of eight. Uh, which is in and of itself surprising to anyone who's watched the team because you probably can't list the six games.
1: I, I have a friend who's a, I'd say a casual college basketball fan, like watches the tournament. And that's about it. And he is in a thread with a bunch of Syracuse people. He is not a Syracuse person. And every game it's just complaints like all over the place. And then he's like, during the last game, during the Notre Dame game, he texts us. He's like, so I just checked and Syracuse is 13 and six. And you all are, are you are all ridiculous. And he's both right, but also does not have the context for, like, how this whole season's played out. So, yeah, like, none of it's quite as bad as I think we we probably think it is because, like, two-thirds of every game win our loss are really bad. <laughs> um, and we find ways to win some of those games. But it's not like we're super impressive even against the teams that we should be beating handily. Um, and then, like, a game like this, where, like, oh, really, you know, big spot, it's a really good appointment. Uh, the tech game aside, like, we've fallen on our face, like, you know, worse than we probably need uh, or could afford to. Um, So yeah, it's not like we're like a bad, bad team. It's just like,
0: we're not a good,
1: good team. not a good, good team. (laughs) And like, it just feels like a team that, that either should just be worse than it is like record wise. Like, I don't know. Like, I wonder what like our Pythagorean record is. I know that's a pretty like primitive way to look at things, but I bet, I bet like, if you did the Pythagorean numbers for us, we'd be like, we'd like project out to being like 10 and eight or something. Like kind of like Duke is. Yeah, oh,
0: I, I completely agree with that. It would be a five hundred team because realistically, like we've we've underperformed greatly, we've overperformed greatly in in, in various other spots. I, I think that this is an average team that that the zone and and some streaky shooting in a good way um, is able to get beyond that. And and I think realistically, like you could also say that 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 the zone and 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 the fact that it doesn't fit this year's roster and some streaky shooting on the bad side is how we are, how we perform under maybe what this team is capable of.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's, it's one of those things where like on a micro level, like we're probably overperforming, but on a macro level, like the fact that we're overperforming is unfortunate because we have the expectations to where like we would actually be a 13 and six team and 13 and six should be good enough for us to get into the tournament because like the ACC is good and or most years it's good this year. It's not, but like, it's like the record and the and the actual reality that's are really out of alignment, more so than they usually are, even for Syracuse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess like the bright side is like we'll have another winning season, <laughs> but um, no, it's been it's been just it's been tough. I, I guess like I don't know. We'll see what happens in the second half here, which has not started as we're recording, but it, at least it'll be kind of like hard to get super mad about missing the tournament, which I, I feel like we we'll have, we'll have a very hard time making it losing this game. But I think.
0: I think if you were going to lose a game, I mean, like like I said, you know, on the site last week and I said kind of before the Louisville game got canceled, like with the four games that were left, um, you know, this one, the the Notre Dame game that just wrapped up on Saturday, the road game at Georgia Tech and then the home game against UNC. um, I said going into the Notre Dame game, you needed to go at least three and one. um, But one of the losses couldn't be Notre Dame. So Notre Dame ended up going in the win column. I think this game can be a loss just because Duke, while the, the, the record looks pedestrian, their um, advanced metrics actually look better. Um, they are a top 75 teams. so this would be a quad one win or lose. Um, I, I think where you set yourself up, though, if you lose this game, is that you now have to beat UNC at the Dome and you have to beat Georgia Tech on the road. Uh, that's no small feat getting both of those things done. Um, especially when it comes to the heels. um SU's only beaten them once, you know, in the last, what, six, seven seasons.
1: Yeah. And uh, it, it's it's just not an ideal place to be. And also, like, you know, maybe this Duke team would be, this Duke game would be the one you could afford to lose, but it's also the one that carried probably the biggest opportunity to, to then get yourself a little bit of breathing room. <laughs> yes. Because it's a tier one game. So it goes either way. Um, so, yeah, like, maybe we're not totally sunk. It's just, like, if we don't beat Duke and, like, we're going to lose badly. And maybe we don't. Maybe we come back here and make it respectable. But and you know, we do we don't have to go far back that far to, to find our last twenty point comeback at the very least. But um if it continues this way, like it's hard to imagine winning both those teams. I know stranger things have happened and like neither Georgia Tech or UNC are like a great, great team. And like we might get another it sounds like we're gonna do another Clemson game down the stretch here too, uh once we get things rescheduled. But Oh great. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Like I was like I was like, Oh, that's a decent opportunity. Oh yeah, they just smoked. I was, I, I, of, I, I, I was
0: hoping of, for that. <laughs>
1: Our last loss. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough. Um, and then I think there's a lot of things to factor into it. I think, like, it's pretty on un... – I don't think – I haven't seen a lot of people talking about it, but it's been pretty clear to me for, like, a two, two-and-a-half games now that, like, Quincy really hit a wall. And that's that happens. Like, players in their first really big season, um, it's hard to just, like, go from, like, a role player that he was last year, like a really, you know, high-ceiling role player, to – being definitively the best player on the team this year and having like an all ACC type season for most of it. Um, It's not that crazy that he's kind of hit a wall recently where he's not been as efficient. Um, I think teams have figured out how to defend him a lot better on the block. Like he's not getting those like one quick steps and go like opportunities. And and when he's making his moves on the block, it does look like teams have like really figured out what his moves are that spin um, the little floater, like he's being defended a lot better. And then also just played, I think some better opponents uh, as of late. Um, Notre Dame or Duke rather has a lot of length to deal with him. Um, but that hasn't been like the timing hasn't been great. Um, I guess like the upside is like maybe it means that he comes back for another year. Uh that'll be you know, yet to be seen. Um but that plus just like the rest of the team has just been streaky and we just haven't totally figured out like obviously we can complain about the Richmond thing, but he is playing like a lot. It's not like I don't know that like the extra like four or five minutes a game that we hope that he would get will be like the difference in a lot of these games. Um but I do think like it's more of a like at this point like I think he'd just be starting <laughs> and um, I don't think that's that crazy. Um, but like overall, like there, there are there are things we could fix. I do think this team is kind of what it is though, and it, that's a that's again like a more macro question of like what's going on recruit in recruiting. Um, how much of a help is like Benny Williams going to be next year? Like, are we going to start getting the same like plug and play talent that we were getting for a while to fill some of the holes or players developing the way they should be? So it's uh yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to like answer those mid year because there's not a lot you can do to to rectify a lot of things beyond just like rotations and, and whatnot.
0: Yeah. I, I completely agree there. I think this team has pretty much been what it's going to be since Richmond started playing like, you know, 24 or so minutes a game. I I agree with you. I don't think that like him playing significantly more than he's already playing is going to make a huge, huge difference. At the same time, I do think there is something to be said for the perimeter uh, defense he's able to bring to the table um, and maybe, you know, stopping the boulder from rolling downhill um, as quickly as it has in some of these games, even even the games he won again, like the Notre Dame game. I I, I think that you're, you're dead on with the, with the Gary stuff too. I think that, he he is a, a an incredibly uh, gifted athletic player, and I think that there's some high upside there. And I think that maybe is why he could go to the NBA no matter what. Uh at the same time, though, like you definitely see there are some, there are some places where he could definitely improve. I don't I would personally say, and this is not as a Syracuse fan, just in, as a basketball fan, I'd say he'd probably be able to figure out what how to fix those weaknesses at the NBA level or at the G League level. Uh, well, Breaking well, news! He is starting the second half. Show? Who? Good, Gary. Perfect.
1: Yeah. First time all year, I think.
0: Let's let's make this happen. Uh, I would assume that means we get some press. Maybe um, it worked pretty well against Notre Dame. Obviously,
1: it's a that's a good question. I mean, we'll find out. We'll find out live, and everyone else will have found out already. <laughs> so, really, just great, just great podcasting by us. Just, just um, amazing,
0: amazing radio here.
1: Yes, you all get to hear about what happened already and that you all definitely watch because listening to this podcast without having watched watch the game is a weird move. Um, yeah. So, I mean, hopefully this is a good sign, like, and like as we get down the stretch here, just to like, continue to expand his role because I do think like Kadari will be back next year, barring something stupid. Um, and I use that very loosely. Um, stupid but, is in a the, in the,
0: in the very general sense, not in the, I mean, if he, if he gets a you know, first round or even like an early second round projection, he should go.
1: Yeah, I mean, and like I meant stupid, like yeah, no, I situationally stupid, not like a decision by him stupid. Um, I obviously if you get a first round like guarantee, I know we've seen those backfire before, but like you probably make the bet. I don't, I haven't seen anything about him really being anywhere in that range. Like I think the most we've heard about him in the NBA this year is like some people find him interesting, but I don't know. I find it harder to imagine that like a backup guard, and I I know he shouldn't be a backup, but like a sits man on a mediocre Syracuse team who doesn't shoot particularly well is the first rounder at this point in the NBA. Um, so hopefully he comes back and and hopefully like, you know, next year he hits 35% of his threes and he's a more interesting player in that regard. Um, and then, you know, Quincy comes back and we add a five-star wing and then we're, you know, kind of interesting. Um, so I guess like this is the positive portion of the of the show.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think that next year's team probably hinges on right now on bringing back every guard <laughs> if only because i don't think we really i mean really either uh in either part of the court i don't think we have a lot coming back if if a couple guys randomly like transfer out or go to the nba but i think the guard spot in particular uh there isn't a whole lot going on because we've had so many guards transfer out uh, so so i do think that more than more than maybe anywhere else i, I think that a, uh, a potential transfer from or transfer or you know a head to the NBA uh, situation for for Kadari does really kill us next year, um, and that's not to slight uh, Buddy Beheim or Joe Girard. Just to say that we can't you know do this thing where we're just playing the two of them forty minutes a game again because it would what be the I mean we're, we're doing a little bit this year we're doing it a little bit less just because I know Buddy missed a couple games um, obviously like Buddy and Joe were getting over COVID and all that but realistically like. We've been doing this whole play the guards 39 to 40 minutes a game thing
1: for six straight years now. And it just hasn't been a great six years. Like, it's if it was like, oh, we keep on having really good guards who can do it and it hasn't been a problem and then it becomes a problem for a couple of years, like, you kind of understand and forgive that, but it hasn't. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess in, like, that situation, like, you probably move Griffin over unless you get a transfer, which you probably have to look at a transfer because we don't have a guard coming in in the class. Um, you can't play just two. Uh, they're just not like. No offense to Buddy and Joe, um, like you have to have some kind of rare talents to have two guards who play the entire game uh, and then just like not be able to afford an injury at all. So like you just realistically can't do do it. So um, in, in the event that today leaves, which is a total hypothetical at this point, um, you you, you'd have you'd have to no get a you'd have to get a transfer. I, I just don't see any other option. A transfer uh, who who
0: definitely would not know how to play in the zone.
1: Yeah, which we know we've seen like very uh mixed results on like first year transfers. Like, their best our best transfers have been. It's funny because like I think we're both very supportive of like the one the one time transfer uh waiver and like guys just generally being able to have more freedom about what they do with their careers. Our best transfers, uh, Wes Johnson, Elijah Hughes, um, have been the ones who have had to stay and wait a year, uh, just because I do think there is um more of a learning curve to joining Syracuse as a program. Um, Canary, of all people, has really kind of bucked the trend because he's been so good defensively from the jump, um, which is a rare thing um, as a freshman. But, um, like, we saw with, like, uh, who was the guy from USF who lasted, like, a third of the year? Uh, uh, Gino
0: uh, Thorpe.
1: Gino Thorpe, who, like, obviously, you know, wasn't great when he played. He wasn't terrible, but he just, like, didn't didn't shine and then left. Um, And some other guys who, uh, you know, John Dillon had some really good moments, but, like, I think obviously he probably would have looked better if he had a year in the zone, even with his like size limitations. Um, so yeah. White like,
0: was just a sharp shooter.
1: Yeah. Andrew White was decent. Like he was solid, but he was largely
0: an offensive player.
1: player. Yeah. And I think he would have been a better player in the zone in year two. So like, and I think you're seeing the same with Griffin. He has ability. He's a really good shot blocker. Um, but I think his limitations at Illinois that prevented him from being like the super, like, you know, the guy who, who, uh, would have played more minutes based on his like efficiency numbers. I think we've kind of learned what those limitations are. That's not to say he's a bad player, but Illinois is also like not exactly missing him this year. So um, hopefully next year, he's also taking a good step forward. So I'm, I'm actually like talking myself into next year, actually being pretty good um, because I do think we're going to return most of our guys, but there are also always surprises and uh you know, no, nothing is ever simple with this team. So
0: yeah. and we, realistically, we shall see. realistically too. And we'll, we'll say this before we get to halftime. Uh, I don't necessarily think this team benefits from everybody coming back either, if that makes sense. Uh, I think think
1: Marek, it seems like pretty likely that Marek leaves just based on like all the whispers.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he can get paid in Europe and and, and make a ton of money and I don't blame him for that. I I think that from a realistic standpoint, though, like from a roster management perspective, like and it's something you and I talked about a couple weeks ago. If you're not going to modernize how you approach things where a guy comes in and he's a three or a high three or four or five star, he's not going to sit for three years before he can start or play starters minutes. So having a guy like, you know, Woody Newton who's shown some glimmers of being pretty good um, you know, Frank Anselm could be somebody who takes off like Jesse Edwards could be a guy who really rounds into form by next year. Um, You know, obviously like Kadari, you would think would not want to necessarily be in I mean, there's nobody at the guard position trying to try and transfer out, but at the same time, like, I'm sure he wants to be playing more consistent minutes, um, and, and maybe, you know, that's already happened here in the second half of the season. I, I And then, you know, adding um, Benny Williams, like, to the mix, like, there's definitely log jams there, given what we know about Jim Beheim's short rotations. And, and I don't necessarily – and it's not that I'm wishing anyone out of the program, it's just more looking at it realistically that – there's no way everybody stays. If there's no, there's no way everybody stays, if the if the main contributors this year come back,
1: yeah, no, I think these things kind of work themselves out. Um, especially if you have too many guys, I think it tends to like it works itself out. Now, obviously, it can work itself out uh, to where you have too few, but I agree. I think I think in all likelihood, and this is not us like saying we want anyone to leave or anything. Like honestly, we just don't know enough about a lot of these players to like really have a great opinion. It just feels very likely based on how these things generally go. Um, I bet one of the centers transfers. Um, I think, I don't think it'll be, I think Barama might be back. Cause Jim kind of said that in that weird cameo thing, <laughs> um, <laughs> Jim's breaking news on cameo to like Jim C or whatever in, in Casanovia. Um the, that he kind of wants, he wants Barama back. And that's like, uh, I, I, we've talked about it. Like, I think Barama has been kind of one of the, like the variables we didn't see coming um, in how much he's meant. Like, obviously we like Barama. He is, you know, good upside. He knows how to play the zone from the center position. I think we'd be much better with Brahma. Um, I've come to believe that uh, over the course of the year. Um, so I think there's a decent chance he's back. Cause I don't know that Jim would say that if he didn't think there's a decent chance. Um, I think one of the young centers uh, of the three, at least is probably likely to go just based on numbers. I think um, one of the young forwards is probably likely to go based on, on the fact that like, you know, we see big Bobby brass, like it seems like pretty much every game now, but you know, short minutes, Woody Newton's been out of the rotation, even though we really like Woody Newton. I hope he stays. Um, but then Benny Williams has done a play, like in all likelihood, uh five stars don't come here to not play. Um and the Dards, like, we can't really uh afford to lose any of them. So I think in all likelihood all three are back. Uh and then, you know, we have a pretty interesting club. Um, but yeah, and I I I would be a little surprised if we didn't have a center and unfortunately a forward transfer.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, unfortunately. But uh Dan, why don't we talk some halftime quick, a little beer. Uh, but first, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsor is Homefield Apparel. Uh, we always mention Homefield. Uh, they're the best. They have comfortable vintage apparel um, at an affordable price. Uh, I know Dan and I both talk all the time about how much we love their shirts. Their sweatshirts are exceptionally comfortable. Um, they're ro- rolling out new schools all the time. If you're not like as big of a fan of um, – Syracuse merch, or I don't, know, I don't know why you wouldn't be, but, or if for some reason you have all the Syracuse merch and you're still looking to buy uh, home field stuff, you can. There are tons of schools on there. They're releasing new ones all the time. Uh, I know Hampton was added uh, recently. Uh, obviously we mentioned the, uh, you know, surfing anteater shirt from UC Irvine. There's plenty yeah, of other like shirts. Madison, I think was the last one. Yeah, yeah James Madison pretty was cool as well. I love those. Um, they even had a, a track and field. Uh, logo that I'm sure Kevin Wall was a big fan of. Definitely a lot out there uh from them and I'm sure they're adding more schools as we speak. Uh you can use Noons 10 if you want to take 10% off your water order, order though. Uh well worth it in, in my opinion.
1: Yes, uh totally agree. Uh wear my home field shirts all the time, like at least a few a week. Um have to always answer to family and friends why I have Hawaii and Navy and uh, uh, a bunch of other shirts on top of my Syracuse ones. And I'm like, cause they're super comfortable and uh great uh, value. And uh, it's hard to justify putting on other shirts to be quite honest, family and friends. Yeah. Um,
0: reasons. That's
1: why. <laughs> it's, yeah. Cause I, cause I, cause I, I, uh, I like to treat myself to comfort and style.
0: As one should. Yeah. I, I have uh, obviously along with the Syracuse shirts, I've mentioned my uh, a Tulane uh, angry wave shirt. Um, I don't have a ton of random college merch, admittedly. I like I buy shot glasses and stuff like that if I visit random colleges. Because I do visit a lot when when we used to travel and have lives, I did used to visit a lot of college campuses um just like while on vacation. I have a lot of random NBA shirts while also
1: having a lot of mixed gear though. Uh I pretty much sit with my own teams. The college shirts are like the really the first time I branch out. Now when I was touring colleges as a as a high schooler, I bought I think like hats from all the stools I was like applying to slash visited and I realized hey I don't even wear hats anymore really like occasionally I'll wear a Mets hat to like a game I'll wear a Mets hat or or, like a a Syracuse game in the event that I can go to Syracuse games ever again Um, but like I just day to day I never wear them and it's funny looking back because I bought them for like eight or ten stools or whatever and like I then just chose Syracuse so I stopped wearing them all together (laughs) so I had like a Bryant hat and obviously like UConn stuff that I mean, I had a lot of UConn stuff, uh, and uh, whatever else, Villanova, uh, yeah. all the other schools I applied to. Uh, so yeah, not my favorite uh, investment, but now that now I'm coming full circle in covering uh, college sports beyond just Syracuse and finding an appreciation for all of the all the all of that there is to love uh, and appreciate in the wide world of college sports, um, I feel okay about having other teams merchandise so. I actually even thought about like buying some Alabama stuff because I feel like it's almost like countercultural, especially <laughs> being here in New York. But then also, like people just kind of assume that you're supposed to hate Alabama, and I really don't. I, I have like a real, uh, a real like respect for for like the Nick Saban teams. So I might buy some Alabama stuff. That's been kind of on my mind for my next home field order. along with to serve an Andy. I've grown,
0: I've grown to appreciate Alabama
1: because they're always facing Clemson, so it's very easy to root for them. Like, and also, they're just, like, they're kind of a machine, so it's not like they're, like, they have super likable guys. Right. But Saban, like, I think, honestly, like, Saban's kind of likable in a weird way. Because, like, he's just, he just is so much smarter and, like, doesn't get bogged down in the ridiculous, like, nonsense that, like, Dabo does. Like, Saban just, like, kind of rolls with, like, how the world works. And, like, he has a bad opinion every so often, but then just check back in with him a year later and he's kind of figured it out. So, yeah, I might get some, uh, some side stuff.
0: That's fair. Yeah, I, uh... I've like gotten rid of a bunch of shirts I had. I go to like I I go to UCLA stuff because like my in laws are all big UCLA fans. They went to SDSU, but they're all big UCLA fans. But like I don't own any UCLA stuff. Like out of principle, I used to own a Cal shirt when I lived in San Francisco, um, just to be like countercultural, I guess. That was like before the Cal get right back in this uh, <laughs> meme, and then like after that, like I never wore the Cal shirt again. <laughs> Um, and then um, i had a bunch of like acc shirts from like acc schools that i applied to in high school and i like got rid of those and then i used to have a usc shirt because like growing up like l- like many in our general age group like usc was just like the team to like to watch and even on the east coast you stayed up late to watch the reggie bush team and stuff like that so i did have a usc t-shirt for a while
1: yeah so i kind of feel bad because i rooted for notre dame back then so i hated usc and like mm-hmm. looking back, I'm like, they were probably really cool if you didn't hate them. They were, um, they,
0: they were so awesome. I used to stay up so late. <laughs>
1: um, have your San Diego State shirts started turning into Syracuse shirts at this point? Uh
0: I mean, they <laughs> might as well have. Uh that's a good segue here. Um well, there's beer. But there's there's beer, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to we'll get to beer very quickly and then we'll do some some football talk before we wrap this up because things are things are going m- just as poorly here uh, now as they were when we started.
1: Uh, we're down. We're down uh, uh, seventeen. It was fifteen for a second. So we're clawing our way back. Slash, just still down a lot. Depends on your viewpoint. We'll find out. We're tracking the situation. Yes. Oh, it's three. Um. <laughs> things,
0: stuff, and things are happening. Uh, Dan, what have you been drinking?
1: Uh. So um, I always have to check back to where we were last. Last we spoke. Um, which was the 15th. All right. Yeah. So I finished up my Jersey beers, the Dunning Kruger from Carton and the damn beach from last week, which I talked about last week. Um, today I just got back to Manhattan for the first time in like, uh, just over a week, um, and got a, uh, beer trade package from a friend who happens to be in North Carolina, um so i probably shouldn't have had these tonight but i wanted to have a beer and this name is proving me correct um so i had a fiddler's nightmare double dry hopped uh double ipa from newgrass brewing which is a small brewery in shelby um really good uh really like full flavored um not super like aggressively uh bitter which was nice like it it was like a really nice like hoppy but not like stupid ibu like bomb um and then now i'm having a bounty from brewery uh brewery uh, bavana uh which oh, is, brewery bavana in, is
0: fantastic
1: it's in raleigh. yeah in raleigh um i'm having the uh bounty which is a sour saison um it's like really sour off the start not like like you know lip puckeringly so but like it's it's a pretty aggressive sour but then it finishes with this really nice like oak barrel uh sweet finish uh so a, really, a nice nice blend of uh blend of, of tastes there. Um, so yeah, really enjoying both of these so far. I have six more, so I will have plenty of uh, North Carolina area goodness to report on next week.
0: Jealous for is fantastic. Uh, they, yeah. they make a Laotian cuisine. Um, so it's very, very good. Uh, highly recommended for anyone that's like in the triangle area to, uh, to see a Syracuse game when they're down there frequently. Um, last time I was uh, in town, when to Syracuse faced NC state in football uh, down there, I had some, yeah, the only
1: the only brewery I think I've, I'm super familiar with that I got something from in this set package was Sycamore, but I haven't had the Sycamore he sent me, so um, it's a lot of like super local stuff, which is exciting. Very nice.
0: Um, on my end, had a Bobcat Danger scenario. It was a uh, fruited Berliner Weiss from uh, Modern Times and Bottle Logic. It was fruited with uh, rhubarb, black raspberries, red raspberries, coconut, and vanilla. Uh, very red, very interesting beer. I um, Had some more of that full size pony uh, West Coast IPA I mentioned last week. Uh, Modern times again. I had a uh, Sun Myth uh, Wild Ale. Was a uh, sour blonde uh, aged in red and white wine barrels um, with uh, peaches. That was another good one. I had from uh, Santa Darius. I had a Deep Time. It's a farmhouse ale from them. Really good uh, barrel aged saison uh, with rye and malted oats. Uh, some fruit in there too, I believe, Nectarine. I uh, finished off the Barracuda uh, IPA from Highland Park. Uh, my dad had actually sent me, uh, from North Carolina as well, uh, Crystal Coast Brewings, uh, Black Pelican Mabel Porter. Um, that one was pretty good. And then I also had from uh, Highland Park the uh, Koldbach Cool Ship um, Apricot. That was a really good sour from them. Um, and, and as you mentioned with another one of your beers, it wasn't like lip-puckeringly sour. It was like the right amount. Um, and it was really enjoyable. Very nice, indeed. Uh, so, jumping back to our segue that you uh, that you would cue us up for, and we we're just too early for it. Syracuse um, hired uh, San Diego State's uh, O line coach Mike Schmidt. Um, not that Mike Schmidt. Great hire here, really. I, I think, and I, I mentioned this kind of in the comments and on Twitter. Like, clearly, Dino knows. I mean, he's familiar with San Diego in general, but. Understands and sees that like San Diego State has been doing something interesting and special for quite a while now, and like while they haven't necessarily, well, they haven't ultimately cashed in with like um, you know an access bowl berth or whatever. Like they've clearly built something sustainable, and and while Syracuse doesn't have the uh, the you know crystal beaches and all the other things that, that San Diego has, Uh, they obviously have P5 money and and, and they're able to kind of take notes, poach who they need to. And in this case, I think, uh, made a really nice hire here on the offensive line. Uh, I know Syracuse was looking for, you know, a special teams coach or an offensive line coach. I do feel that the offensive line was the the place to, to prioritize here. And realistically, and this is a solution that you and I have talked about and we talked about in the blog and commenters mentioned, that uh, you could just see, you know, Nick Monroe maybe switch over to um, assistant head coach slash special teams coordinator and then give Chip West the, uh, you know, defensive back coach uh, moniker. And then you kind of solve all your problems at once.
1: Yeah, obviously, we don't want to downplay special teams. It was such a big, hey, it's it's a huge part of the game. Like, right. it's very easy to under, under uh, appreciate it. And I don't think Syracuse fans are going to do that because we saw how big it was in 2018. And honestly, like, it's been still pretty good since um you hope that because they've been so good under this staff um you can kind of move someone over there who's still familiar with what we've been doing and keep the momentum there um offensive line is just a bigger need like it's we like about we've seen how bad uh the offense can be with a bad offensive line it's preventing us from even having like a decent offense and i think we could have a decent offense with the stills we still position players we have with the quarterbacks we have well players um, so we bringing... bringing
0: back now because now we're bringing back abdul adams and, and Howard.
1: Yes, which we found out just before reporting. Um, And I was going to say, like, that makes me think we're just like, we've talked about since Dino was hired, like it's very easy to say he wants to run this like four wide, uh, just, you know, air raid type system. But at his best at Bowling Green, and I feel like, you know, broken record we've talked about it for four years now, but at his best at Bowling Green, ran the hell out of the ball, ran the ball like over 50% of the time. Um, not to say like, You know, I know there's a lot of debate over the efficiencies and whatnot, but in college, like, you can kind of get away more with having different styles. Um, We're going to have, arguably, our three-butts offensive players are going to be running backs, maybe three of our top five. Um, Now, that just bringing in a new offensive line coach doesn't solve, like, a talent problem, but development, I think, has also been an issue. It's not like we haven't recruited pretty well there. Like, we've gotten some really interesting, like – you know, solid Syracuse-level recruits at offensive line. Um, we need those guys to come along. San Diego State, if nothing else, they know how to run the ball. Uh, that's just been, like, the trademark of that offense. And they're really good at it. They produce 2,000-yard rushers with, like, if you can say call it consistency, like, they are them and Wisconsin, basically. Um, so I don't think we're going to have that kind of dominant guy because I think we have three really capable running backs. assuming that uh, that Howard and Adams are playing for us this year. Um it's a good problem, I think it's really fascinating to see I think uh Tucker, honestly, I think is still the best of the three, based on what we've seen from all of them. but um if we're gonna run the hell out of the ball, which it seems like we're kind of dialing up to do um you're gonna need multiple backs, so hopefully we can keep everyone happy, but it wouldn't stop me if we had like a couple guys over four hundred yards and like you know as a as a team go for like sixteen or seventeen hundred if we get things going and honestly, that might be a really good sign. Like just kind of like uh, throwing a curveball at people based on like what they expect from Syracuse. And, and that doesn't mean we can't still throw the ball a lot. Honestly, we want to just run more plays and that'll open up everything because we've our offense is kind of stalled out in terms of pace. Um, but I do think like the run is really going to come back into the, uh, into the focus here and get closer to what we've been looking at. Cause honestly, if you're Babers and you like are kind of brushing up into the hot seat, like obviously you want to craft your team to your players and, this kind of does both. Like he goes to like the way he wants to play. And also like this team, if the offensive line is, is average, is pretty well geared to become a more ground-based offense. And then if DeVito or Schrader, whoever's playing quarterback, like can, can go over the top, that's all, all for the better.
0: Yeah. I mean, this isn't going to be like Bowling Green's team in 2015, where, you know, Matt Johnson threw for like 5,000 yards and or something like that. It was, it was a ridiculous number. It was and, over 4,000,
1: I think, pretty yeah. easily.
0: And, and yeah, he, he, he did whatever he wanted, but a lot of it, I mean, I, I remember watching like the Mac championship game that year uh, with them. And and you saw consistently that they were able to just absolutely meet. They had two like thousand yard backs, I think, or at least one that had 1100. The other one had 900 or so, but in any case, two very effective backs um, Dino did kind of the same thing he does now, which is, you know, ride the hot hand. Um, and then after some screens, some uh, inside runs to get the defense to have to suck in a bit, he was able to take the top off and going, you know, deep regularly um, with, you know, I'd say less talented for the most part uh, wideouts than Syracuse should have. Um, even if that's maybe not the case right now, I think Syracuse's big weakness on offense. If the, if the line really is improved could be just the inexperience at receiver. That doesn't mean it'll be bad. Um, in, in an ideal world, you know, some of the younger guys, most of whom are like six, three to six, five, like, just one to two of them can step up outside if we're not adding a transfer and, and then you can move Taj inside. You have opportunities to have a guy like Trevor Pena. Uh, maybe even, uh, Cooper Lutz becomes like an H back type. Uh, now that we have seemingly like more running back depth than we did before, um, in real and just use him in a variety of different ways. I think realistically though, like this offense could be able to pick up the pace very well and quickly um, by having an effective round ground game inside that then opens up everything else. And I think that's, Syracuse's office never looked that great last year, but when it looked passable, it was because Tucker was moving the ball um, on the ground and was able to get things going there. And it takes a lot of onus off of whoever plays quarterback. And that actually, I mean, maybe people don't want to hear this. I don't really care either way. Uh, but I think that this this ground-focused uh, mentality probably benefits Tommy DeVito um, getting, keeping the job, I guess, more than anything, it uh, doesn't mean he will. I still think Schrader might be the better fit, and but it might be more what Dino needs this specific year, given the potential hot seat he's on. But I, I think that at least a ground centric approach does help out DeVito's chances a bit.
1: Uh, it depends. I think it does either way. Like, I think it depends on what you're asking the quarterback to do. Um, I think DeVito is probably still the more talented raw passer. And if it's like we need the quarterback to be able to go over the top and convert on, uh, you know, third and intermediate and and do that, I think DeVito, based on what we've seen, obviously we're not super familiar with Schrader yet, um, but I've seen him play a couple games at Mississippi State. Um, If you want the quarterback to be a part of the running game, which is kind of really shifting the offense um, closer to what you were doing with Dungy, uh, which was kind of out of necessity, as we've talked about. It wasn't like we were really designing – uh, too much there. Um then I think Schrader is a more is obviously the more uh run like focused quarterback. Um I wasn't say like faster. I, I don't even know if that's true. Like as we know like DeVito is kind of famously faster than Dungey based on like 40 times, but Dungey's obviously the better runner. Um, Schrader's more of that style of player. So it kind of depends on what Dino envisions the offense looking like this year. If it's going to be like your quarterback throws and your running backs run. Then I, I bet DeVito's a guy, and he'll have the leg up. He's been here for so long, um, and I don't think Dino wants to just abandon him in his last year. Um, but if it's like, all right, we're really going in a new direction here, we're, we're reinventing what we're doing. You know, it wouldn't shock me if Schrader um, gets involved, or if not, wins out, wins out the uh, wins the job.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree there. I think this is going to be a really fascinating off season from that perspective. Like we haven't had a, a full fledged quarterback controversy. Or even like a battle going into camp since twenty thirteen.
1: Uh, what was the the is that the hunt Drew? Uh, uh well, that was really up. that was Allen
0: and yeah, that was Allen Drew and hunt. Allen. Was that and even like a just,
1: controversy? I think everyone not really. We all, we all assumed Drew Allen was gonna step in and be awesome, so it wasn't really a controversy <laughs> at any point. It's like it wasn't really a controversy going in. We all kind of knew who was gonna play, and then it wasn't really a controversy after a game and a half. Right. More like, oh, he sucks. <laughs> And then I again, mean, Dungey stepped into due to injury. Um, yeah. Dungy DeVito, was, Dungy devito was kind of a mid-year thing, but it was more of a blip like oh devito it was, was really game. good. Dungey's been kind of questionable, but it wasn't like a long-term thing. So yeah, it was probably it was probably oh, before that. It was, oh, nine a, was it was, was Paulus. Was, yeah, it was NASA Paulus. And even then, I think we kind of knew Paulus was in a play. Like, yeah, we
0: we knew Paulus was gonna be the quarterback. But I think by mid-year, I think a lot once we knew it was a losing season. I we were calling for Nassid yeah. for sure. Everyone was calling for Nassid. Um,
1: Even 08, I mean, like Andrew well, Robinson 8. was the definitive starter and then he lost the job, but it wasn't like we didn't think he was starting going in. Yeah, like this, the, realistically, like, it's been a while since Syracuse had like a quarterback controversy in the off season. And we'll see how much of one there is. Like I wouldn't be shocked if Dino's like, no, Tommy's a starter and we're going to like, we'll have, you know, we'll let them compete, but we think Tommy's starting. Um, I'd be kind of surprised if Dino like just said full-fledged quarterback. Battle, but I'm intrigued if he does. <laughs> I I mean, he's definitely. Said I don't think it's unfair. That,
0: yeah, I mean, he's definitely said that this is like going to be a, a battle, and I the fact. I mean, realistically, I think one of Syracuse's biggest issues under Babers has been a seemingly entrenched quarterback position, and, and yeah. I think that that speaks to Dino's loyalty. It
1: but goes both ways. Like, it's one of those yeah. things that's like admirable if it's working, and it's if it's not, then you're like, well, he needs to open it up um i think it'll be i think he'll go with the tenor of like you know tommy's been here for a while we think tommy's really good but everyone's playing for their position i think it's probably how he'll take in this spring yeah and i mean like, Trader a, already, position's open.
0: well and Trader already like kind of let the cat out of the bag there right? where he i mean he where he he quoted dino i mean dino's never confirmed this but he quoted dino saying like dino says he knows i'm not like he's not bringing me in to sit and like i'm not coming here to sit like So Dino, at least on the recruiting trail is definitely sharing that like, this isn't Tommy's, this isn't locked in to be Tommy's job. And I think Tommy's even said in interviews that he understands that it's that he has a job to do to keep it.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, honestly, like I, I don't see any problem with that. I I think it's, it's, I don't expect Dino to like pump up the quarterback controversy narrative. Nothing you ever really need to like, it's just a story that will sell till the end of time. Um, but I don't expect Dino to feed it more than like just saying like yeah everyone's competing for their spot.
0: Agreed, agreed. Uh, Dan, anything else before we head out? Since this is very clear what's going to happen in this game.
1: <laughs> and we you know we got to like thirteen or so, and it was like oh maybe, and then it's just we can't defend the perimeter. Um, no, I mean hopefully we're wrong again. Should we? What should we say? If we come back and win, we'll we'll come record an addendum real quick.
0: <laughs> I mean, we're not going to come back and win. I my my addendum here is I don't understand how Syracuse has seventeen offensive rebounds and,
1: and is losing the game by twenty points. I, I, could, I couldn't I couldn't tell you one offensive rebound we've gotten. Well, I want to see our I mean, no, our story. I mean, off of them.
0: I mean, unless ESPN stats are completely wrong, I, I've got I've got seventeen offensive rebounds,
1: Syracuse. I see them too. Yeah, it's I. I I assume they're correct, even though that's not necessarily like a given, but I, I just can't tell you one moment. We're like, Oh yeah, we had that really nice putback by Quincy and that's in part because Quincy's having an awful game. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's not looking great. Fun. <laughs> so fun. Yes, if we come back from a 50 81 to 59 deficit with under, under eight minutes left, uh, we'll figure out something to make up for it, but uh, not looking great. No. All right. Well,
0: that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to News and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange.